It's a learning process. You get to learn a lot about yourself when you do not owe your decisions loyalty. You don't owe any decision you've ever made. Don't be loyal to your decision. I'm not loyal to my decisions. I'm committed to them, but I'm not loyal to them. That's Amanda Grace, artist, speaker, life coach, and a modern day hedge school mistress. Her superpower is that she thinks like an artist and she'll show you why it's good to think of your beliefs as masterpieces that sometimes you have to be willing to burn. In this episode of Your Truth Shared, I wanted to offer you another perspective on entrepreneurship, that of the artist who is also a businesswoman. Join me now as we meet Amanda. I'm Fanola Howard, intuitive marketer, your host and founder of How Great Marketing Works. I believe that every business has a story to tell because that's how the market decides whether to buy or not. And your story has to resonate with who you are and with the people you want to serve. And this podcast is about helping you reach the market in a way that feels right to you. So if you're an entrepreneur with a dream you want to make real, then this is the podcast for you because great marketing is your truth shared. When I think of Amanda, I think of words like creative powerhouse, artist, journey woman, journal, raw, pilgrim soul, and many, many other words that really get me in the gut and in the heart simultaneously. And I first came across Amanda in 2015. I was uh, looking at my notes and my emails when I purchased a piece of her beautiful artwork, which holds pride of place in my living room. So I wanted to share a conversation with Amanda because I wanted to show you guys another entrepreneurial journey, one that is more uh, artistic in nature. And it's a really valuable perspective. So welcome, Amanda. Yay. Hello, Fanola. I'm <laughs> delighted to be here. <laughs> Fantastic. Yeah. And I know that was a big lead in. <laughs> well, I really <laughs> appreciate it. I mean, I love l- listening to people talk about me in good ways. <laughs> <laughs> I must get used to that, actually. <laughs> oh, God, I love but what it. I'd love, I would love you to share because I've known you in many identities. And this is when we had a quick chat about this beforehand. You know, there's this idea that brand, which I love fiercely, brand and brand identity is often pitched as being a destination in itself. And one of the things that's been very interesting in watching your journey is it's a journey. Like, so I would love perhaps that if you could share this journey that you've had all of these many identities that still have this really strong red thread running through them. But can you share the journey at the start of this conversation? Um, uh, yeah. And, and to save time, I won't go into detail, but like my, you know, genesis, I don't even know how far to go back, but, um, like I did start with, uh, nail art is where it started. Um, oh, wow. yeah, which led to, um, psychotherapy. <laughs> that was a big leap. Yeah, um, as it does. <laughs> yeah. And then, you know, the artists that, and, but before that, even it was songwriting, um, yeah. And that, but that didn't really fit. But what the thread that runs through it all, you know, nail art, psychotherapy, um, artist, artist who teaches, um, you know, and then there was the Pilgrim Soul period, which was the, you know, like an, 
uh, chrysalis of identity. And now, you know, here I am at Life Coach. The thread through it all is working with people. That's the thread yeah. through it all. That's the common thread is how I wanted to work. Well, I didn't know this. I discovered this is that it is about being with people in a certain way. That makes mm -hmm. that that just it's almost like, you know, in interesting ways, the same thing as my dad did. I just want to help people be happy. Isn't that wonderful? And just for everybody else to understand, uh, Amanda Grace, and I didn't know this when I first came across Amanda, is uh, the great Irish singer, entertainer, amazing uh, person, Brendan Grace, who has sadly mm. left us. Mm. And this is um, and one of the interesting things when we talked about is it must have been challenging to to grow up with such a larger than life character and then start your own journey in strength, in such strength that you've had. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, after after thinking about it, it's like, you know, my dad's career, you know, entertainer, comedian, singer, it was pretty much the same, was he an entertainer? You know, he, entertainer was the, what, you know, what would encapsulate it, but he was a comedian, he was a singer, he was a storyteller, like what was he as well? And, mm. but it's the, um, I, it's, it's a concept I teach my students that comes from Buddhist philosophy about the finger and the moon. The teacher is just a finger pointing at the moon, it's not the moon. And so yeah. when we're talking about, so I grew up looking at my dad being on stage and how he did his job was on stage, making people laugh. And you would, it, uh, of course, we all make the mistake of thinking that that is the thing to aim for, or that is what's happening. But what's really happening is that he's trying to help people be happy. And that can Lovely. be done anyway. So when we talk about the journey being like a jigsaw and our job is just to put the pieces together, but the, the picture on the box can change. Most mm. people, I think, go about their lives and their work as if the picture on the box is fixed. Mm. And then when the puzzle pieces don't fit or then they or they complete the puzzle and then it's like, <laughs> now what? You know? Mm. You mentioned something about uh, your superpowers thinking like an artist. Yeah. And, and one of the things about, and I'd love you to share this idea with people about letting go of the thing. That's how you mm. talked about it. Yeah. So what we talked about um, the other day, because, you know, you and me had a, a conversation before this conversation, said to me, so the question is, are you willing to create a masterpiece? And my res response was, that's not the question. The question is not, are you willing to create a masterpiece? It's, are you willing to destroy a masterpiece? And so... <laughs> Powerful. Yes. And to think like an artist means to get there, create the thing you thought you set out to create, realize, no, that's not it. And then wreck it. You know, literally just throw a can of paint over it, tear it up, burn it, something like that. And um, one of the things in my, when I was teaching journaling, um, one of the things that I would get people to do del deliberately is to wreck their pages and the anxiety and the resistance that would come up around it because people were so invested in what was in their head, but it's not like what it's in my head, but I, or 
either they're chasing the idea in their head or else they've achieved the idea in their head and they're not willing to let it go. And so just how we do anything is how we do everything. And so if they're doing it on paper, I'd say, well, where else are you doing this in your life? What ideas are you holding on to as if they are a masterpiece and you're not willing to destroy them? What beliefs? What relationships? What? Can you give me an example? Okay, I'll give you an example from my own life. So Pilgrim Soul, the brand that I, you know, put my heart and soul into and was so kind of like uh, connected to and attached to. And it also was a safety zone for me because it was an abstract, poetic name. I called myself Pilgrim Soul because I didn't want to be, you know, to kind of like be too committed to, you know, like a, a title, let's say. And it gave me the space to figure out what I was doing. But after a while, it just... It, it served its purpose. I got the branding done. I, you know, I invested in branding. I built a website. Uh, well, sorry, I didn't build. I outsourced the building of the website. So I had about 10 grand or so invested in the image and the presentation that is, and the idea that is Pilgrim Soul. And then in the last year, I started to get like, there's something else. This isn't working for me anymore. I could say the same for marriage. It's literally the same thing as my marriage, my first marriage. It's just not working for me anymore. And then ignoring that voice for ages until eventually, you know, resentment starts to come up. And resentment is the flag in my life that is like the red flag that pops up when I have passed by my exit. You know, in Ireland, you know how people give, well, it's probably not just in Ireland, but you know how people give directions. They go, right, you go down the road, you go down the main, and then there's a fork in the road and you go there. Now, if you come to the Texaco garage, you've gone too far, right? And then mm. they'll tell you. So it's like that. If you come to the Texaco garage, you've gone too far. You should have turned off the road two miles back. Mm. That's how it started to feel with Pilgrim Soul. I should have got off two miles back. And how I knew that was because resentment showed up. Same in relationships, same in my marriage, same in friendships. Once resentment is here, I have not paid attention to something that was I was supposed to make a turn two miles ago, two mm. years ago. For some people, it's 20 years ago. But anyway, mm. um, and, um, and then there's the sitting with that because that's a process, you know, deciding to like ripping up your masterpiece is a process. I used to do it recklessly, but now I do it more intentionally where it's like, I really want that decision to be clean and I want mm. it to be, I want to have integrity around it. Um, and so you renegotiate the commitment. So it's a way of of um, leaving space for growth. Yeah, well, you but here's the here's the magic piece. You renegotiate the commitment and you make the change. But you know what doesn't change? I'm still showing up for people in the same way. It's not changing. It's just the picture on the box is changing. Mm -hmm. I'm still serve I'm still in service to people. I'm just not doing it as pilgrim soul anymore. You know, or I'm still open for friendship, just not in these relationships. I'm still open to marriage, just not in these relationships, you know, just not in this way. It's, it's fluid. It's the, the, per, the, the intention is still there. Do you think Pilgrim Soul will come back? You mean as a brand? Yeah, I don't know. I'm, I just, you are, yeah, will it come I'll back? I'll answer it. Aspects of what I did in Pilgrim Soul will come back, yeah. 
Absolutely. So let's say in Pilgrim Soul, I did the art journaling and I was very mm. much a teacher of the creative process. And that was a very necessary part of my job because I want, you know, one of the other things is creativity is another thread through my life. I, it's just how I work. It's how I think. Like I said, I think like an artist. I'm just born that way. Mm. And, um, or maybe that's a learned thing. Who knows? It's probably actually a learned thing, but, um, it is a learned thing, put it that way. Um, so yeah, I will absolutely, like I don't throw the baby out with the bathwater. And I'm not afraid that just because I stopped doing it right now that it's not going to, so this is the process of integration. I will integrate pieces of that. So yeah. the creative aspect of it will always be present in everything that I do. And the reason I ask you the question is because so many people identify you with that brand, Pilgrim Soul. Pilgrim mm -hmm. Soul was many things. It was was definitely very creative, definitely very. And then you had this, you had many wonderful products. And I remember one of the products was that you would subscribe to Pilgrim Soul and you would get this beautiful yeah. art package every month. Yeah. Because yeah. I subscribed to it. And I remember it was such an experience, a real gift with layers, with surprises, small mm. little surprises that that mm. feel so such a personal gift. Um, mm. It was very it personal. was so beautiful and treasured, you know, it really um, was. Yeah. And the intention behind that is exactly that was to give an, create an experience. You yeah. Um, I, and there was other stuff. I had resistance to doing a newsletter. I had resistance to say, I, the connection was really important to me. And it was also an invitation. Of course, it was unsustainable, but it lived its, and it was my darling at the time. It was like, oh my God, it's the best idea I've ever had. And I did it. And then after a while, it's like, <laughs> I'm sick folding these envelopes. But also, I'm only one person. And there's only yeah. so many pods I can do. So there was a ceiling on it. Yeah. There was a ceiling on it. But it was, I, I felt to ask you that. Was there an idea in this evolution that you were putting a cap on your growth? I was, absolutely. And this resistance to doing it by email and a, resi a resistance to making you know, like learning about sales and really learning about business and asking for money. In a way, it was a it was how I over delivered in that day and in that time. I still over deliver, and I I always will over deliver. Um, but over delivering has to serve everybody. Yeah, it can't so, be at too great a cost. Yeah, so if it starts to cost me to over deliver, well, then there we go again with the resentment's going to show up. And I'll be like, hey, why do I feel this way? I shouldn't feel, I love my students. I love my clients. I love my work. Why? Resentment doesn't fit in here. Mm -hmm. So every time it's present, I have to look and say, what's the ramp I missed? Where, what, what am I not listening to in myself? Something's it's not part of your process, an act of listening. You, 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 you sense you sense that resentment every time it comes and you know something has to change. I mean, the ideal would be, would be that the resentment didn't come up at all. I mean, that's the ideal is that you listen to yourself in the first place. But like I'm human like everybody else. So 
Um, when you start a, a, a process like this, so when you effectively step into the, this kind of commitment to self-growth, commitment to living this life of authenticity and integrity, mm. what ends up happening is you go from somebody who doesn't even know how to listen to herself, doesn't even know there's anything to listen to, just believes everything you think. Mm. And you go from that and it's like, so how I describe to some of my clients is you, you remember those pinball machines in arcades where you mm. pull back the thing and you, when you let it go, it, it hits mm. off the ball, the, the ball goes flying all over the place. But that's how quickly your mind is processing stuff. And so we're not aware of it. We just, we associate and whatever the, the result of that pinging around is, whatever the result of all that pinging around is, we think that we got that result because of the impact that happened, you know, the pulling back of the lever, whatever the activating event was. What we don't mm. know is that there's all this in the middle that is actually where your power is. That's where your true power is. We think the power is the impact, the pulling back of the lever. So we get people to stop pulling the levers you know mm. or we try and figure out how to change that how to get the lever to stop pulling because i don't like the result instead of realizing that your power is in that chaotic process that happens in the middle and you can slow that down and that takes a lot of practice so you might get to the point where like it's progress to realize that once resentment shows up to recognize resentment as a flag and not just something you have to live with it has value, you know? Mm. It's like anger. Every emotion has value. It's a messenger that comes to tell you something very specifically. And not every emotion comes along with the same message for the same person necessarily. You know what I mean? Mm. Resentment doesn't mean anything inherently. But if resentment is present, it's worth looking at and saying, so for other people, it would be guilt. Guilt will be the flag. You know, you identify what your own flag is. So for me, I know I haven't listened to myself when resentment shows up. I've ignored something. Has that flag of resentment changed over the years? Has it turned into a different type of flag? Well, I see it sooner. You see it sooner. I see it sooner. So no, it doesn't, it hasn't um the resentment, resentment is one of my, it's almost like, it's a friend now at this stage, you know, it has come along. It's the, it's the friend, nobody else wants to say it, you know, that kind of way. It's that friend who says, look, I know you think your eyebrows, you know, I know, I, you know, it's like, I know what you're going for, but it's, you know, it's not working for not you. Working. you know? And um, it's that friend who's going to tell you the truth. <laughs> well, that's not the truth necessarily, but it's going to tell you the thing that everyone else is afraid to tell you. Resentment's it's the like one. It's like the whole idea of, you know, feel the fear and do it anyway. That fear is totally. the flag and you just look at it from a different perspective. It's also very interesting, your journey, and you see these signposts along the way and one of them is resentment or whatever. But what's interesting about you is you are a very creative person, but you're also a very focused and goal-oriented person. You have uh, this ability to, if you set your mind to it, you get it every time. Oh yeah, absolutely. That's, we don't always associate that with the artist. No, it's an unfortunate, um, it's an unfortunate stereotype, you know, the scattered artist um, or the, you know, um, 
And that's not to say that there is not scatteredness. I mean, part of the artist's repertoire is chaos. I mean, it's what we work with and putting a uh, as they say in the Irish word, putting a, a schmacht on chaos, like putting putting a shape on it, put, putting some discipline on the chaos. How do you discipline chaos? Well, I have to, uh, if I'm working with art, well, art is, they, they are the same press, process. So let me think how to answer this. So while you work with chaos, first of all, there is, there is a, a normalizing of it has to happen. So like sometimes we rush out of chaos just to avoid the chaos as opposed to, um, you know, like trying to not necessarily make sense of it, but allowing for it to, allowing space for it to exist. There's chaos that is unnecessary. So for example, I'm going to give you the money example, right? And the kind of chaos. So last night, I think it was last night, um, I was... Um, I went to my room early as I do. I like to anyway, I like to kind of retire early. And then I did my reconciling of my bank accounts and I, you know, I did my money homework, you know, and I just checked in on my money, like as if they're, you know, kids or something like that, or animals Mm. or pets or plants, like how are you doing? So I did all my bank reconciling and all of that. And once I had everything, and then I did my budgeting and made sure everything was, you know, accounted for and it was all that. When I did that, I just started to feel calm right? This calmness. And my husband walked into the room at the same time. And I said to him, it's just incredible to me. I didn't even know that. Well, I kind of did know, but there was that general anxiety building up in me because I hadn't done it. When I looked, when I checked in, I hadn't done it in 11 days, Mm. right? And it correlated Mm. with, there was this kind of like increasing level of um, anxiety in me. And it was because I was kind of like winging it, in that and, and my mind and so I was like not really knowing what was happening in my bank accounts and because we had been away we were tapping our cards we were spending money and I was like oh Jesus you know that kind of way and it's just the, not not consciously but there was that unease happening and I realized once I did my reconciling that it was because I was out of uh I was out of connection with with your money I with love the it. money and and knowing where I'm at, so it's like there's here's a saying, right? The saying is something that is it's so good. It's from Martha Beck. It's a quote. She says, "No matter how difficult or painful it may be, nothing sounds as good to the soul as the truth." Right. So in those eleven days, beautiful, yes, and powerful. In those eleven days, I was depriving myself of the truth, and the uh-huh. truth is just what's happening. That's all. The truth is just what is happening. And when you deprive yourself of truth, even if I had done my reconciling only to find I was 500 euros over, I was after overspending somewhere by 500 euros, I would still get the same calm because that's the truth. At least I know where I stand now. I know what's happening. I really like this. This is really important, Amanda. It's so important. And let me tell you what's happening in those 11 days when you're depriving yourself of the truth. You Mm. have your mind going, oh, fuck, now you see, here you go now. You see, you couldn't be trusted and you're after spending that, you shouldn't be spending that and and you feel, you know, you'd be like, oh, you bought that and you didn't plan to buy that or you had that meal and you didn't plan. I bet you you're over now. I bet you you're over now. You see, we'll never get out. That's what you're dealt, that's what you're left with. But I like this idea that there's there's a couple of ideas here that I think are really important because that whole money question is really important for for any size business. But it's definitely 
incredibly insightful to share with smaller businesses, even when you're starting your journey, this idea of knowledge, awareness of the situation with money can bring you calm instead of the usual thing of burying your head in the sand and not dealing with it. 100%. And that idea of, so I like this idea of that it is a source of calm as opposed to a source of stress. And that idea also of not dealing with it is depriving you of truth. That's huge. It is. And truth will focus you. Yeah. It really does yeah. focus you, you know, when you when you stray away from the truth, you're in trouble. Yeah. You'll always be in trouble. And I loved this when we were speaking yesterday, we were talking about you know, this uh, goal that so many people put out there of achieving the six figure income, achieving the six, seven figure income and all of this kind of stuff. And one of the things we discussed was when you got to the point of the six figure income, you realized that the war, the, the model wasn't right, that you mm. in the in in being blinded by just getting the six figure income, you weren't recognizing the cost of that income, which was the, you know, the sheer work involved in, and you gave the example of something like 150 or 160,000 transactions to get that six figure income. Whereas you made a decision thereafter because the cost personally was too high. I don't mean financially, it is financially, but it's also exhausting. And that having that clarity and that focus and that, you know, commitment to getting to a point Sometimes it's about how you get there and that you've changed direction now and saying, I want to do that in 30 transactions this time. Yeah. You know, there's things like that to play with. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So that that was a, a gross revenue. Now, I, I haven't achieved the six figure income yet. and <laughs> That'll be a great day. <laughs> um, <laughs> but, you know, yeah, so I, I did. I hit the six figures. And um, again, because we were tracking. So I was working with... Um, a partner and she was, you know, she has the opposite brain to me. So we have, gr we, we're such a good pair in that way. So she keeps what we call the scorecard and that scorecard was measuring everything. It was measuring how many clicks, how many this, how many clicks converted to this and that. But at, at its, and then, then of course you have your Stripe information and you have, your, you have all this data out there. And so to turn into Brené Brown, it's like, what I ended up doing was I set myself a goal that in in this year, I'm going to run this program four times and I want to make, I want to hit the six figures. Mm. And so that was the goal. Run this thing four times and hit six figures. And I made that goal and I knew I would um, because I believed it. You know what I mean? I, yeah. I, I, I had worked on... Um, that belief. And so it was a mission. It was a commitment. And um, it became, of course, a prior priority. And I knew that my success was inevitable. And I had defined success as running this thing four times and hitting six figures. So I did that. And then how it felt. Of course, when you project something like that, you think, and then I will be, you know, I'll be laughing then and then it'll be amazing and blah, blah, blah. So I set about doing it, you know, you immerse yourself in the process because you've already decided where you're going. So you immerse yourself in the process. Then I got there at the end of it and we did our sums 
And I was like, oh shit, I hit the six figures. And then I was like, God, this does not feel like I thought it was going to feel. Yeah, This feels exactly like it felt a year ago when I was, you know, on 30 grand. Like it, it felt the same. It, and, and I'm exhausted and mm. I don't see how I can scale this without dying in the process. So I went to Stripe, PayPal, I, and I grabbed our scorecard and I did a very simple calculation. Here's the financial figure, gross. Here are the amount of transactions that occurred in my business over the last year. And it was 1,500 transactions. And when I did an average card value, it averaged at $54. Hmm. Average. And so that gives you information. It's like, okay, so let's just say I wanted to double my income. I'm either going to have to double the average card value or I'm going to have to double the transaction. Yeah. And Hmm. within my particular model, I knew that doubling the amount of transactions as a one woman operation just wasn't, wasn't what I wanted. And it wasn't what I, I, I could, and your body will tell you at that stage, your body's just like, no. And you know the way when you hold um, uh, two magnets together and mm. if you get them at the wrong polar end, they just will not go together. Mm. That's how your body speaks to you. So my body was like, when I was like um, asking myself, okay, so what are my options? Can I increase the number of transactions? Because I, double wasn't it. I wasn't like, I I was going, I wanted it 10 times it. So that would have meant, Mm. and so that wasn't an option. My body was like, no. And I said, well, how about increasing the current value? I said, okay, let's look at that. And when I looked at that, I realized that the current offerings I had just, you know. They were too small for you, Amanda. Yeah. And, you know, it was like plan B. So, okay, let's do it. Let's figure out another way to show up and serve people and do my work in the world. Um, And I set myself the goal, the target of achieving six-figure gross income in 30 transactions or less. How's it going? Uh, I'm halfway there. (laughs) Bravo. In and in half the time. Bravo. Three months as opposed to six. So it just shows this adjust, adjustment of aligning because there's so many models out there and so many options and decisions to make when yeah. you're building your business. Yeah. And yeah. I think you've just shared with us this idea of using your artist way of thinking and your Try them all. Connection to your body to teach you which one works best for you. Yeah, like literally just try them all. Try them all. Do an assessment. Say, okay, I liked this about it. I didn't like this about it. How can I do it differently? That's literally how the artists do things. They, you know, and eventually what you end up with. So how I make art now is you have a very small, well, I do anyway. I don't use a lot of supplies when I make art. I know what I like and I know how to Mm. use what I like to, to achieve what I want. And so that was a process of elimination. I tried all the supplies. And I was like, I don't, just don't like that. I just don't mm. like whatever about it. So try all of the models and don't feel like you have to stick to any one of them just because you've invested in it. Let it be a teacher to you and just keep, um, you know, just, just keep working towards the one that, um, or yeah, just do them all. Don't be afraid of them. So that does that mean that the journey then becomes filled 
with these models and these pieces of the puzzle and these these inverted commas masterpieces that need to be burned. I'll tell you what it means first. Uh, there's a couple. I'll answer that question in a second. But what it does mean when you try all the models, what it's going to mean is a bigger network for a start. Yeah. You're going to meet new people because if you just stick, you see this all the time. People will be like, okay, now I'm a part of this group. And then they stay there for life. And they don't, yeah. they don't stray outside it. And so they've limited themselves now to this model, this group, this person teaching this thing. You know? Um, so when you do all the models, you go into all of these different communities and you end up like people say to me, how did you get gigs out in California? And I'm like, because I, I do not stay in any one place. As soon as it gets familiar, I'm gone. I'm out of there and I, I you know, I, and I'm gone looking for new, fresh bodies, you know, I like, so there's a thing like you can buy, buy new friends. So if I invest into this program, it comes with a community. Mm. And that's really important to me when I invest in any program, it, I want it to come with a community because that's growing my network and that's valuable. So there's value. That's another thing I think is, is knowing how to extract the juice from everything you invest in so that you can walk away from your, you know, you can kind of cut your ties knowing what value you're bringing with you, yeah. you know? But to answer your question, are you like, is it like then you end up with a Franken model? <laughs> is that your question? No, but okay, we'll go with that. <laughs> but is that the question? Yeah, no, that's good. A good way of putting it. I see. I like the fact that you are not afraid to try things. You're not afraid to fail at things because you have that lovely insight of knowing how to extract the juice. So many people don't even try, you know? You can't fail. Like there, You can either think about failure as something, you know, like I failed to do that. Like you, you can fail on purpose. You can call quits to something, you know, like I failed my marriage on purpose. I didn't live in a failed marriage. Say more about that. Well, actually, me and my husband were talking about this yesterday. You know, we have, we know somebody in, and and lots of people, you know, who stay in situations, whether they be jobs or marriages or whatever, that aren't working for them. They have already failed. But they stay in the situation because they made a promise to somebody at some point. Or, the, or they made a promise to themselves. They made a commitment. And now they're bound, they've turned that commitment into a cage, like into a sentence. Mm. And they, the, the failure has already happened, but they're, rather than, you know, chain, renegotiate the situation, they'll stay in the failed marriage or they'll stay in the failed job or they'll stay in the failed... There's people living in this beautiful place that I call or that I call home right now in Killaloo, people live here who hate us here. Mm. But stay here. I'm like, why don't you just leave? Like that to me, to live in a situation you hate is failure. That's failure to me. To move on and to move on. And interestingly, I've lived in each of the four provinces of Ireland. I go somewhere, I live here and I'd be like, you know what? I love that. I love that there was trees and a lake and all that. But I don't like the people so much. So I move on. And then I'd be like, oh, I really love the people. And that's actually how I met my husband as well. It's like I tried them all on <laughs> mm. and I learned. It's a learning process. You get to learn a lot about yourself when you do not 
think that you don't owe your decisions loyalty. You're not a bad You don't person. own your decisions loyalty. You don't owe any decision you've ever made. Don't be loyal to your decision. I'm not loyal to my decisions. I like that. I'm committed to them, but I'm not loyal to them. So when they no longer serve. Yeah, mm. loyalty is not a, it's, it's not, it's not a huge value. I, I appreciate it, but I would, I'll give you here. Here's why loyalty is not top of my, integrity would be a bigger value for me than loyalty because loyalty can be a prison. Um, mm. As in like, if you hold loyalty as the highest value, even when that, situation turns sour or even dangerous or even violent you stay loyal to it like uh, this is kind of like you know the way people are like oh I'm Fianna Fáil or Fianna Gael and they're Fianna Fáil or Fianna Gael for life mm. and they're loyal to a party that could be literally a, a disaster at some mm. point it might have been great when you made the decision they might have been the best option when you made the decision but then they turn into this monster. But you keep voting for them because you're Fianna Fáil. But I like the, that you apply this. I mean, we understand this in terms of Irish politics and I'm sure it applies to many other types of politics. But I like this idea applied in a business context about the decisions you make about your business and how you position yourself or the products that you have, all of these things. Yes. And even the customers that you choose. I've broken up so, with every single darling that I've had so far. I've broken up. I, I have had so many breakups in my business, but I've done it with integrity every single time. How do you do it with integrity? Well, most recently I ended my membership. Okay. And that membership was supposed to be my thing. That was my ticket. Right. How long did you have the membership? Two years. It started in the pandemic. So the yeah. membership came about as, as a result of a, of a pivot. Again, yeah. it was a pivot. I was like, I didn't let the pandemic be the reason why I couldn't work. Yeah. I was like, but, but up till that point, I was doing in-person workshops mostly. That was where most of my income came from. And so up mm. to that point, but I, because I have this fluidity about me, I wasn't like, oh, no, I can't do it because I'm a teacher and I teach workshops in this way. I was like, how else could I show up? And so mm. I had this, um, a series of things that resulted in a membership. And so that membership, I invested a ton, again, in branding, sales page, all this webs. I, 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 and I went for it committed to it like I always do and it was wonderful and it was great and then in the last six months or so I started to hear the call just you know yeah and in my mind it was like but you can't because this and you can't because that and what if this and what if that and all of this came up so there was a six-month process of coming clean with my decision and in that time I still showed up and I still delivered and I still I remained um, committed to what I had promised, but I knew as I was going along that my promise was not that my promise was fading, but my I knew that it was at some point, you see, if I was going to stay in the relationship, it would become a lie. It would actually become people pleasing. It would become stay again. people pleasing, oh, okay. which is a form of lying. Yeah. 
So I want, I want all. You said you ended it with integrity. Yeah. So I ended up with integrity. The process. So the process of that is clean decision making. So I did my work in the background. I made my decision. I and there was a lot of will I, won't I, and even you know. So I made that decision. I I said it right with me. Yeah. Which means also some people are going to be disappointed by this and I'm going to accept that and I'm not going to get mad at them for being disappointed. They're allowed to be disappointed. Yeah. And so when I announced that I was ending my membership, there was tears. There was literal tears on the call. Yeah. And it was, you know, like it was quite dramatic. But because I had cleaned up my decision making the background, I had cleaned up all my thinking. And I had settled the score with myself. I was able to allow that disappointment to exist without making it mean anything for me or without me changing my mind to stop the tears. Okay. You know, and so I was like, I know. And I spent the last three months preparing them for the end. Oh, I love it. So you had, much like we talk about an onboarding process when you have new customers, you had to develop an offboarding process. Absolutely. And I, and I started free. Yeah. And I voiced it like three months ago. And, I, and I, I was saying to them, you know, if if I was to continue just because I made you a promise two years ago, I would be lying to you. and I don't want to lie to you. Oh, that's lovely. And if I was to continue doing this, ignoring the fact that I'm resenting it, I would be resentful of people I only want to love. I bet. I mean, there, as you said, there were tears, but I bet. Your integrity shouted louder than anything else. Absolutely. And that's the feedback, you know, is, is that we're sad, but we understand. And, yeah. you know, endings happen. And also what I said to them was because I also on top of ending it, I also ended it early, earlier than I promised. So I broke another promise on the way to in the ending process. I broke another promise. Because it was right. It was supposed to go till November. But I was start. my body was just like, no, no. Even sitting down to create my, uh, it was, so integrity was shouting at me. You're done. It's yeah. done. And people were starting to jump shit. And it was like, you're taking too long. They were done. Be yeah. Faster. They yeah, were done yeah. too. And they didn't know. So we were all at this stage just clinging on for fear of letting go. <laughs> So I had, I opened my last call with them and I said, and I, we have a process, so we'll guide them through the process and there's imagery and all of this. And so I set it up what, and uh, one of them kind of, uh, I said, yeah, this is the end. This is the end. Yeah. It's the last month of Pilgrim's Soul or of the Pilgrim's Way and tears and shock and oh my God and all this. And I said, you know, sometimes the ending comes sooner than you expected it to. And I thought of my dad. In that moment, yeah. because, you know, he got a terminal diagnosis mm -hmm. and he was gone in three weeks. Wow. But but that was only he was gone in. Um, so we knew the ending was coming, but it came much faster than we anticipated. That's life. And so yeah. that's what I said to them. I said, like, this is life. We're doing life here. And that is the thing with my work. We are doing life here. Mm. We're not doing pretend. Mm. Pretend.
pretend is what we're recovering from. So if we all, if I, if I could like pretend with you, I'm not serving you. Mm-hmm. And this is, and you will lose a lot, by the way, in this. I, I have lost friendships mm-hmm. because I, my refusal to pretend. Mm. I won't do it's it. It's very brave, Amanda. It, it's very brave, but the alternative for me is just a no. It's not an option. And yeah, it is brave, but you know what it is as well? I mean, have you ever felt brave? Yeah, I have, yeah. It, isn't it fucking great? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's the best feeling ever. And do you know mm. what else it is? Mm. It's inspiring. Mm. And you know how's the best way to get clients? Tell me. Inspire them. <laughs> You're lovely. Yeah, you are a truly inspirational woman that I have watched for a long time. And I thank you from the bottom of my heart for sharing this part of this stage of your story. Yeah. And will you share with everybody here how they can find out more about you, please? Yes. So if you go, my website is right now, once again, I ripped up my masterpiece. My yeah. my poor web designer is just like, where did it go? <laughs> Even my students are like, where did it go? And I'm like, it's just on pause. So uh, amandagrace.ie is now a landing page. And on that landing page, you can book a call with me. So you can come and chat with me. And that's a chat where you'll get to fill out a form. You get to tell me basically, you know, what's going on in your life that you might need coaching around if you want. And that's a discovery call. And it's non, you know, it's non-committal. And like that, I don't pretend and I don't lie to you. So if it doesn't work for you, it doesn't work for me. That's how you could meet me in person. Otherwise, and that's amandagrace.ie, otherwise I'm mostly on Instagram. Mm. And um, through Instagram, you can, um, you know, I, I post constant content on there. Um, and I have, I do have a newsletter as well. I must put a button somewhere for the newsletter, but you can go to, you know, they follow me on. You. Yeah, so I'm at amandagrace underscore dot, sorry, at amandagrace underscore IE on Instagram. Just DM me and I'll send you a link for the newsletter, but I must put a more easy way to get you on the newsletter. And my newsletters are... um, Wonderful. Yeah, they're... I have a very high open rate on my newsletters with, um, you know, they're... They are experiences in and I call them emotional skinny dipping. You take the... I remember your workshops were called raw and they are quite raw and powerful and honest and filled with your truth. They're really wonderful to receive. Yeah. Thank you again, Amanda. Thank you so much, Fanola. It's been, I, I tell you, there's been immense value for me in having these couple of conversations with you. So thank you very much. And you, I, I just want to say as well that you um, having that conversation uh, was really, really powerful for me. I think that in some ways we're quite alike. Mm-hmm. And um, in that there's uh, a depth and a thoughtfulness in how you go about your work mm. um, and you. there's a wisdom there and me benefiting from that wisdom was like um, it was a, what would you say it was an in, it was something I didn't even know I needed because you know self-belief is one of the strongest things and and experiencing service 
from the other side. So this, mm. this, the service you offered me, you know, the way that you showed up and served me, like you gave me a lot to look at. You really held a good, strong mirror in front of me. And I really, really appreciate that. And there's a lot of value in that. I'm glad. Thank you. I think we make a difference to each other. Yes. I'm definitely coming down to Waterford and we'll go <laughs> swimming in the jellyfish soup. <laughs> Thank you again. Thank you. And if you'd like to find out more about Amanda, check her out on amandagrace.ie. And if you'd be so kind to share this episode with someone you know who would find it valuable, I would greatly appreciate it. And if you'd like to reach out to me about the podcast or anything else marketing or entrepreneurship related, check out finolahoward.com. And I'll be back next week with another guest. And until then, take care.